what's up? You've just tuned in to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin. I have a pretty cool guest for this week. His name is Mark Grunthofer. He is a professional musician, a professional multi-instrumentalist, um, primarily a uh, virtuosic guitarist. He uh, currently resides in Atlanta, Georgia. He's really cool. I, uh, I connected with him through um, another recent guest, John Clark. They've both collaborated in the past, um, doing very cool kind of experimental instrumental music, kind of jazzy, uh, some classical influence in there. Um, as Mark describes, it's kind of hard to pin down, but uh, it's pretty interesting stuff. And um, he's got a big presence on Spotify. Uh, he's been compared to uh, many of his own inspirations, including Pat Metheny, Jeff Beck, Eric Johnson, Steve Howe. Uh, he's a really nice dude. I had a really good time talking to him, and uh, it's my pleasure to um, to share that conversation, share uh, some of his upcoming music. He's super prolific. He's got new releases going on all the time. May 31st, which is two days from this episode coming out, he has a, a new digital online release called Projections. It has uh, three different movements. I'm going to share movement three for you now, a little snippet of it at least, and uh, then we'll get into it. Well, first, may I say that is quite a guitar collection you have behind you. Yeah, there's there's a few back there. <laughs> I don't know if you can see my my little bass over in the corner there, I, but that's all I got. I, I do. Yeah, we're down in the the little home studio, and I've got I've got a number of uh, nice ones, some classics, some vintage ones. Um, it's, it's you know maybe maybe it's a problem. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm seeing. 10 or 11 maybe i have i have i think i've got four gibsons okay um uh, i've got a 68 and a 78 and a 98 it's funny i'm missing that 88 <laughs> um <laughs> one for every day and then exactly and then i've got a, a, a mid 2000s and then i've got a couple fenders that are actually not um they're not even real fenders they're parts caster things that my uh my wife's uncle puts together and um then uh, just some other kind of random ones, a few basses, and then I've got all the acoustics and classical guitars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, one for every occasion. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen studios where it's like the keyboard version of that, where they have all these different uh, vintage synthesizers, or which which I'm so jealous of. I would love that. I just have an actual console digital piano, a Roland, and a. MIDI keyboard. As, as so, do I. I, <laughs> I just. I would love some. It's an occasional fantasy to stuff. to have stuff like that. But my my yeah. uh, my question that always kind of comes up when I see a collection like that is, how do you make sure you use everything, or do you like? Totally. When does it well, become an instrument arsenal versus like a, just a collection? There's there's absolutely some that never leave this room and are just for recording with. Um, for example, like the 68, um, actually, my uncle gave it to me. It was his. Um, he, uh, I, I, I did play it out for a little while. It's, mm -hmm. it's a 330, so it's a full hollow body. It's a 68 330, full hollow body, all original, amazing sounding guitar. And I used to play it out, and then I kind of went, mm, I don't know if I should, uh, you know, take it to rock shows. Yeah. <laughs> but... I think it's been on. I think it's somewhere on every song I've ever recorded because it's the best sounding hmm. guitar I have here. Um, so I don't feel so bad that I don't take it out because it's all over just about every song I've yeah. done. Yeah, um, family and then, heirloom and yeah. And then my my least. I mean, honestly, my least expensive guitar. One of the parts casters is a Telecaster, and it's got one pickup in it, and it's my most used live <laughs> guitar. It's your you beater. Know. 
Yeah, I mean, totally. And yet it's not even that beat up. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I, I even took it. I recently played this, this past weekend down, in, um, down near the coast in Florida. And I took another guitar because I was like, I want to play this all weekend. And after one song, I was like, mm. I, I also took my telly as a backup. And after the first song, I was like, OK, I'm going to go back and grab I grabbed the telly and I played it for two nights straight. <laughs> So the other guitar got one song and then I grabbed the telly. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's kind of like a comfortable instrument. It's easy to, yeah. to, it's got one pickup. So your sound is your sound and you can kind of, you know, and it cuts through the mix real good. So, so good. I think, I think, I think even though I never expected or wanted to be a telly guy, I just am. So whatever, whatever works. I always, sounds like it has I always wanted, place. yeah. So, you know, but then all the other ones, yeah, they get out. And I mean, I use them all over recordings. I mean, typically my songs have four or five guitar tracks all played on four or five different guitars so you know yeah get them out and play as much as i can and the um i guess to kind of step back for a second the the music Mm -hmm. you make is would it be fair to say it's pretty much just instrumental guitar music or sometimes a little keyboard music too but you're you're all about instrument texture yeah i mean so uh, if if i had to classify it it's like it's jazz fusion, okay. You know, but I also do a lot of acoustic, classical type stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's all these soundscapes of guitars, lots of guitars. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I put a lot of uh, emphasis around guitar soloing. So there's some, not necessarily shredding, but um, you know, there's some very self indulgent stuff that I do, <laughs> that I do with my music, um, and. So yeah, so the guitar is front and center. I mean, I, yeah. I play other instruments. I you know, I think I think a lot of people go, oh yeah, I'm an instrumentalist, and I mean a multi instrumentalist, and I'm like, yeah, I am too. But I definitely would, I definitely want to be identified as a guitarist first. Mm. You know, um, I do play the other instruments, but I wouldn't, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily write those on my resume. <laughs> of, you know, right, they, they're I'm kind a, of a supporting role. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've played keyboards my whole life, piano my whole life, but I would never tell someone I'm a pianist. I, I'm a guitarist. Well, you know? I'd never tell anybody I was a bassist. <laughs> yeah, well, same, yeah. same, right? <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I mean, because your music, if you're not going to have a singer, you're not going to have lyrics. I mean, I think it's fair for something like the guitar to come in and like you said, not necessarily shredding, but just like that is kind of the almost the main the lead voice of the music and you can kind of you know take it to pretty right. extreme right. places I mean, or you know yeah, really explore yeah. the dynamics of it and i and i love guys that are guitar centered you know like you're like eric johnson um you know uh jeff beck you know steve Howell, those guys that can play something that is um you know m- melodic and you almost want to sing it but yet it's not. It's a guitar it's, line. Yeah, you it's know. not quite for that. I listen to a lot of instrumental music, and, and even my daughter, who's four, will sing guitar parts, you know, just, <laughs> you know, kind of kind of uh, sing those little guitar parts from, from you know, uh, a Jeff Beck song or something. And I'm like, and she, she'll sing it randomly. I'm like, what song is that she's singing? And then I realize she's singing, you know, something off of, like, Blow by Blow. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. I think I've done my job. Uh, that's a lot more advanced than like the Wiggles or something. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. We sing that too, but... <laughs> it has its, its place in there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and so you were, uh, you're based in the Atlanta area? I'm in so? Atlanta. I've mm-hmm. been here for, for a few years. I've been all over the place, um, which is why I work with so many musicians all over the place so i've got you know i've been in i've lived in florida and alabama and now georgia and i lived in la for a long time and uh but we're yeah we're here in atlanta it's a cool city it's got a lot of music um but also i found when i was living out in la that i was doing so much like what we're doing now virtual oh you know that even though you were in la even though i was in what i thought was supposed to be the center of it all you know yeah but since since I found myself doing all this digital stuff and working with um, the 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 sort of mm-hmm. catalyst that made me think, okay, maybe LA, you don't have to be here. Is I, I did this song with a with a smooth jazz group, and mm-hmm. I did it all from my home studio in LA, and they I never met the band until after I had finished the song, and they were in they were like 
the members of that band were closer proximity in LA to me than the members of my own band. <laughs> like, and yet I still did it all virtually over the computer. The traffic is just that bad, huh? It's just that bad <laughs> that you don't want to go, you know, four blocks away to band practice. So, wow. Yeah. So then it was, you know, I've got a lot of family here. Atlanta's a cool city. There's a lot of music here, um, and it's way more affordable. So here right, we right. are. Yeah. Yeah, I think like music epicenters. Yeah, you, I mean, I think New York is kind of on its way out in that regard, but you have like Nashville or Los Angeles, I suppose. Yeah, but I, depending I, on what you want to do, and if and if right. for what you're doing, it's like yeah, I don't, you don't need to tie yourself to an area like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know uh, the way digital music is now, and and file sharing, and the home studio, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure if you ever have to live in a, you know, one of those epicenters of of music right. from the classic ones like LA or New York or Nashville or whatever. I mean, you can make great music from anywhere, literally. Yeah, and well, how's the um the local scene specifically in Atlanta for your kind of blend of uh well, jazz yeah, fusion, so, not quite jazz yeah. fusion is there um is that uh is so that something I, I, that's going around there or? Yeah, so my when I moved here, I was I was I was doing so much with the recording that I kind of said to myself, I'm just going to keep putting my catalog together. Um, and this year is sort of the the big push to do that, to get this catalog of music online, to have it there, to, um, to be able to share it with people, to push it around, whatever I need to do with this catalog of music. So I have not focused on putting a live band together. Um, when I play live currently, I'm either doing it as a solo artist for like parties and stuff where yeah. I'll do anything from anything from like jazz standards to top 40 stuff with vocals. I mean, I do okay. sing. I just don't, I just don't write lyrics. All right. Um, and so, or if I, or I play with cover bands and, you know, so I do the, the sort of like, here's music as a job thing where mm -hmm. I do it as a cover band, do it as a soloist. I sing, you know, I'll, I'll be, I do some group, you know, when I, when I play solo, I, I am the only voice when I play in cover bands, I, I mostly do harmonies and stuff like that. So I have no problem with that, and I actually grew up in bands writing lyrics and, and doing that. But since I've gotten older, I've just been so much more interested in the uh, composition side of it yeah, and yeah. The, the virtuoso side of it. I, I'm not a virtuoso by any means, but I do not... I think that word gets... I think, you know, I think when people... It's misunderstood. Yeah, um, and, and, and I'm not sure if... if you know, there's there's this whole like kind of conversation of oh the guitar is dying in music anyway. Like you know, no one you know the guitar solo is is no more. No one puts a guitar solo in songs, and maybe that's true, and maybe that's gonna keep me from reaching a certain level of uh, I, I I mean I hate to use the word fame because who cares? But um, you know, but I I'm all about the guitar solo, yeah. and I'm all about like like music that maybe someone who maybe my only audience is someone who studies music you know but there's but an I, awful lot of people that do yeah so totally go. you know i mean uh, you know some of my favorite bands nowadays are you know this whole sort of scene of uh snarky puppy wolf peck all yep. these guys that kind of come up off i would of those call those bands. definitely virtuoso musicians. yeah and they're they're incredible musicians and to me that stuff moves me more than a singer-songwriter. Not always, you know. I mean, I can appreciate a good singer-songwriter and a good lyricist, but um, if I go to a concert and see someone just just putting the most insanely, you know, complex, uh, whatever you want to call it, solo together, like like Corey Henry with Snarky Puppy, putting some, some Moog solo together, it's like, okay, now that moves me. That's what does it for you. That's what does it for me, you know, and I know I'm in a small group of people, you know, but so I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I would love to put a band together in the next, you know, maybe in, in maybe in 2020 when I've kind of finished this this push of like this year, I'm doing a new release every yeah. month um, in, two, in 2020. I'd love to put a band together and um, just play locally because there's there's a there is a scene there is a place where we can play sort of jazz fusion. Um, but I think you'd have to, I think it would, would have to sit at, locally. I think it would have to sit in that sort of dinner music, um, 
vibe, you know. It's a place which, where you're sitting fine. down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's cool, you know. Um, I'm also, you know, in my late 30s, like, the rocking is, <laughs> you know, gets harder and harder. So. Piling into a van and... Yeah, oh, that that's not appealing PBR at all PBR 16 anymore. ounces everywhere. And... Yeah, I know. See, that that side of it's not that appealing. So um, that's I think that's why maybe I've just gone, you know, full, you know, just, just head first into this digital streaming recording, you know, my brand is is on Spotify, is on Apple Music, is on Pandora. Like that's, you know, that's that's where it lives now. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you've come to gravitate towards the kind of music that's kind of digested and sort of an introspective space. Um, listeners probably hearing it on headphones or maybe by themselves. It's kind of a contemplative sort of atmosphere. Yeah. So that's uh, a good kind of vibe for the the streaming world. Mm-hmm. Right. My, I mean, yeah, my most popular stuff is the solo acoustic finger style stuff that I put out because it can be just put on in the background. You know, my least popular stuff is the 12 minute prog rock <laughs> instrumental epic, you know, <laughs> which of course is my favorite stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I try to walk that fine line between doing the music for me and for other people. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of artists walk exactly that line. Right, um, exactly. But I imagine, so you are you do music as your profession full-time, mm-hmm. and um, I imagine early on, as you kind of undertook that challenge, you made uh, versatility a priority. for you. you have so many kind of different hats that you can wear. Right, because I've, I, think, I think part of it was living in... in uh, you know, spending giant chunks of my life in a lot of different cities around a lot of different musicians, yeah. I could never, I could never just play the music I wanted to play, um, or at least the music I thought I wanted to play. So I joined bands that were, you know, I mean, I, I played in a bluegrass band for a while. It was great. I played in, I played in several different jam bands like Fish style, Great yeah, yeah. Dead style. Those were f- so fun. Um, uh, my my most successful band in Los Angeles was a sort of Weezer, Ben Folds 5, like pop rock band, hmm. you know, where a guitar solo was four bars long, you know, like that's what, you know what I mean? If there was one. And it was real, and the lyrics, the lyrics were super important. I wasn't writing them. The lyrics were super important. The harmonies were real big. The arrangements, yeah, yeah. all that. So, and that was one of my most, that was the most fun band I've played in, in, you know, decades. And then I've also, and then I do like now I do, I play with, uh, some, some just awesome musicians doing covers. And sometimes we don't even play out. We just, I, you know, I've got like my, my family band that's local that I play with. And I've got my sort of family band, um, that's just regional to this area. And we do different, different, uh, jams and, and things like that. I mean, so yeah, playing any kind of music to pay the bills, (laughs) You know, but then finding finding what I really enjoy. Yeah, the main thing in, to focus style. on. But yeah, so you've really done a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, even when I was out in LA, I'd I'd, I'd auditioned for for pop acts and and uh, uh, I played in a I played in this uh, this singer songwriter with this guy who's now a pretty good pretty big like not a household name director, but he's he's doing some cool movies. Um, uh, and it's just, again, stuff that I would never, on paper when I was a kid, have said, yeah, this is what I want to do. You know? So what was on paper when you were a kid? What, initially going into this yeah. whole thing, what, what were your kind of conceptions? Well, it's funny because I think when, you know, uh, I was even talking about this because, uh, man, what song? I listened to some song the other night, and I was like, yeah, uh, you should play. Well, I mean, I, I, think it was, I think it was all those, all those 90s kind of grunge rock bands. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the time you I, came up in. Yeah, I picked up a guitar in in like you know the early '90s, so Nirvana was it. Green Day, Stone Temple Pilots. I really I, I, Stone Temple Pilots was was one of those that I was like, man, they're doing like really cool complex chord progressions. They're pretty eclectic, right? Yeah, for, yeah, relative yet, for a band of that time. Right, exactly, and yet they had this just these pop sensibilities and these rock things, um, and then of course Smashing Pumpkins, one of my all time favorites, still. Um, so I think that's where I thought I would, uh, I think that's where I thought I would live. But I, I, 
I guess I, I couldn't write those kind of songs. So the first band I had when I was in, you know, like high school, I just started writing songs and I think they sounded more like the stuff my dad was listening to, which was like Sting and Tears for Fears and, you know, sort of adult contemporary. I think that's what they might call it at that time. AOR or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like those those sort of... Um, uh, you know Christopher Cross. You know I, I love Steely Dan. Like all those that that all those seventies, eighties, yeah, yeah, pop acts. So I, so when I would write songs, and I'm not saying they were good songs. I'm just saying I think they I think they started to lean into that mm. realm. So my bands, I think naturally because we were not that good um, musicians because we were young and not that good of writers, they just kind of turned into jam band mm. kind of things you know it's kind of the path of least resistance right yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah yeah you know okay i don't know what to do for the next three minutes of this song let's just explore the space yeah you know, like that kind of yeah thing. yeah you know and you and, I, and it's 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 cool i actually have a lot of recordings of of my old bands live stuff and um it's really cool to see the progression um because it's very ambitious but our you know being you know, 18 years old really was a hindrance to, you know, some of us only having been played for yeah. a couple years. Got to start somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but So what was the first city you moved to with the intention of uh, developing your, your music and your music career? Well, when I, when I, when I went off to college, I went to uh, Tallahassee, Florida. And okay. I went to Flor so Florida State, and I studied classical guitar there. Yeah, all right. I was I was I was going to ask if you were like a music school guy like mm -hmm. Berkeley yep. or something. But so yeah. So Tallahassee School Florida in State Florida State has a pretty um top-notch guitar department. Um hmm. the the head of the guitar department is one of these guys that like if you it feels like if you go to any other guitar department in any other college, they learned from this guy. They're like that his, that's where yeah. it's his, happening. So his name was Bruce Holzman and um so I, I went to study with him. And I thought that's I thought that's what I was gonna do. I thought classical guitar was gonna be like the thing. Um, and I really, really liked it, but I found that I was not that good at it. I mean, that's something honest. that really that's like if you're a classical guitar guy, that's like it, right? That's like that's all it. you can do. Yeah, you yeah. right, right. Well, and it's funny because I remember one of the uh, one of the grad students told me, he's like, Hey man, don't let Bruce know that you play in a band. <laughs> like don't let them know that you're, you know, because I was like playing in bands to like, like that was my job, you know, that's that's what I did, and I'd play four or five nights a week, um, in different bands, and he was like, don't let them know, you know, like you you have to, yeah, it's like you said, you have to be all classical or nothing, um, and I learned a ton, I I uh, uh, the 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 styles, the techniques, all that kind of stuff, I still use today when I'm when I'm writing. Uh, but I don't, I don't sit around and play, you know, cello suites, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, I would, I wish I could, I would love to, um, I, I find, and I, and luckily I do teach now, so I teach lessons now. That's, mm -hmm. that's like my day job. Yeah. Um, and so I get to, when I have students that want to get into it, I get to teach them that. And it's really fun for me because I'm like, Oh, great. Now I get to kind of learn this as we go too. you know, it's been, you know, 15 years since I've played this piece or something like that. So, so when I moved to Tallahassee, I thought that's what I'm going to do. But at the same time, my high school band, we all moved to Tallahassee as well. Oh, and, that's convenient. And we, we got, and we got a house together and we set up, you know, the living room was the jam space and it was right on campus. And, you know, we had parties and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And, um, we played for several years. Um, and we made a name for ourselves there and we would play, you know, we never we never like hit the road for six months or anything. Right. But um, we played a, a, around there. But it was again, it was a it turned into this twenty minute jam band. You know, twenty minute song jam band outfit. Your party and, band. Um, we were. I mean, we played a lot of parties, but also I think we were right on the cusp. Of, I mean, so that was like two thousand two. Mm. You know, probably that we were at our height, and man, the jam band scene really took a nosedive right around that era so um i think we just we just were not playing the right music at the right time mm. so it never took off the way we all kind of wanted it um 
but we had a good time. And then it, it turned into some other just kind of, and then we, that band eventually ended up just becoming a cover band. You know, we were just like, well, let's just play covers, you know, at this show. We got hired by some fraternity to play. And it's like, well, they don't want to hear our original stuff. Let's just play covers. Give all the night. crowd what they want. Yeah. yeah, you know. So I still play with those guys. Those, they, they all kind of live generally in this area. The drummer from that band still lives here in, in, in Atlanta. So we still get together and play. So that's, it's fun to have those connections still. Totally. So, like, from. Early on, had you been pretty determined, you were pretty decided, music in whatever capacity, that's, that's all I'm going right. to do. That's going to be... Yeah, that was it. It was the only option. Um, my dad's a musician. Okay, so my, it was my, in your family. Yeah, my dad's dad is a musician. Um, my dad's dad, my grandfather, is in, uh, was like inducted into the Alabama Jazz Hall of Fame. Wow, I um, never he knew had, there was he one. Had, well, I mean, there's a lot. Of, yeah, there's a lot of bands. I mean, a lot of musicians from around that area. But he he owned a jazz club in Birmingham, Alabama, and um, they brought in Buddy Rich, Maynard everybody. Ferguson, everybody. I mean, into that club, and uh, so I grew up. You know, I, I remember going to the club. You know, I don't remember seeing the bands, but you know, maybe I was there for some of the heavy hitters. You know. Um, but he and he would play, and so yeah, music's always been that thing. And uh, and I mean, I, I started on piano. I never thought when I was playing piano that I wanted to do this, hmm. you know, because I started on piano when I was like, you know, what, like five or six or something they, like that. They you know? insisted you uh, take piano right, lessons, right? Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. And of course, of course, I I didn't like it, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to take it. And they, I, my, both my parents, you'll thank me when you're older, and you know, it's kind of funny because. It's yeah, how I it do works thank out. Them. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for um, not letting me just yeah. watch TV the whole time. Right, but then then I then I was given the choice, like, okay, you don't like piano, you can quit piano, but you got to pick something else up. And I picked up a guitar, and uh, I mean, I immediately it was like, okay, this you is got what it. I want to do. Yeah, this is it. You know, let's. I mean, I I put a band together a couple months into playing guitar, you know, with some with some of my neighborhood friends. You know, and I'm banned in air quotes, you know, <laughs> banned's a very loose word. In but theory, it, it was, yeah. Yeah, in theory, right. The idea was there. We probably spent more time, you know, planning our world tour than yeah. actually practicing. Doing anything, you know? yeah. Uh-huh. That sounds but, pretty familiar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we were just kids. Um, so at that point, I was like, yeah, that's all, that's all I can do. That's all I know how to do, you know. So when you, you got more and more into it and then you joined, the, you uh, met kind of that, that guru at and that uh, mm-hmm. Florida State University, um, when did uh, I mean? Was there kind of a moment where you really went for it and just kind of dived well, into? Yeah. Well, we. So my wife and I met in in uh, at Florida State, and sort of we to- we always toyed with this idea of moving out west mm-hmm. and moving to L.A. so that I could you know try. To, to something to do something's thing. over in LA go to right, go to that right, yeah right and so i mean it was really on a whim and we you know sold all our stuff and packed the car up and drove from Tallahassee out to uh, Los Angeles which is actually pretty easy cuz it's just i10 the entire <laughs> way <laughs> you know, and this is pre this is pre gps so you print out the the directions and it's like okay, drive on i10 on, for 3000 miles yeah 3000 miles you'll arrive at your destination you know so we moved out to Los Angeles, um, and I went immediately to Musicians Institute, which is in Hollywood. Um, I'd, finished, I'd finished Florida State. I'd got my degree. I went out to Musicians Institute because I kind of just wanted to make connections. So I went there for, I think, three semesters and then called it, called it quits. But I made, a lo- I made a lot of connections. I met a lot of cool people. Um, you know, I did some auditions, did some stuff like that. Uh, so then, got you started. Yeah, and then started playing in bands out there, trying to do our thing, and and also also got a teaching job, uh, teaching music out there. And so we were out there for about ten years, and it's oh, you, just we went that long at it. Yeah, out there. Yeah, and also, yeah. so this was like mid two thousands until yeah, we left a few years ago. We yeah, we left in two thousand five six. 2006 we left in 2006 drove out there and uh like i said moved back here to atlanta just a couple years ago so that was um like that period of time 
the sea change in the uh, the music industry, and record exact, industry. Were you how exactly how hard it. were you feeling that or observing that? Completely, completely. I mean, so it was, what, what was that you're right? Because like? because early two thousands is when the the Napster thing sort of changed yeah. the whole the whole bit. And then I remember being in L A. and being like, uh, well, I guess I got to get an iPhone now, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> because the uh, you know, I think it had just came out right before we moved, um, but. It was like, yeah, I gotta get an iPhone and do this iTunes thing, right? I gotta start buying my music on iTunes. Yeah, I so, guess people buy music um, online now. Right, yeah. And then it started to be like, oh, well, people aren't coming out to our shows, you know. Um, now now there's so many bands and there's you know, there's there's not that many venues and no one's paying for live music anymore and you know So that happened so, yeah, right in front of you, huh? Right in front of me, in the like sort of epicenter of it all. You know, and I'm not saying that my bands were so good that we should have been household names, but I knew some bands out there that were incredible. I knew some musicians that were just doing everything like they would have been household names yeah. had it been 10 years earlier. If the, the business you know, people had their act together the, at that point. If the, yeah, if, if the business hadn't completely just upended, you know, so... So, and that was, and we, and it kind of lived through it. And I mean, things have, you know, now we're in sort of another era of this yeah. new music business. Um, and, you know, still trying to figure it out, but you know, there's, there's definitely some, some new avenues now that I, that I didn't have then. Um, you know, we were all, we were all so worried about live performance. We were also worried about booking the gigs and stuff like that. And while we all recorded, we never put an emphasis on that. Whereas now it's like, you know, put that emphasis on recording music and releasing music and yeah, all that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I mean, there's still a ton of bands that I know, even here in Atlanta, that are all about putting that live show together. You I know? mean, people still want to go. I think people still want to go out and have a good time. That someplace that's not their house. So if, totally. if bands can provide right. that experience, I feel like there's still that uh, demand out there. I know I've heard some. Some artists complain about how people don't want to go see live music anymore, but I feel like that's the easiest kind of. Well, I think it's, I, th I think it's, I think it, it, it's different where you are too, because yeah. one of the big things in Los Angeles was, um, you know, the bars are in sort of the the, like the clubs that you want to play at. Yeah. I mean, for example, like the Sunset Strip, you know, the famous whiskey, like those kind of things. Uh, if you wanted to play at the whiskey, it was like fifteen hundred dollars to play. And we're talking an opening band slot, right? So and a lot of people still have this misconception that that, that you're venue get discovered. is more important to the <laughs> yes, industry yes. than anywhere else. Yeah. Right. So so instead, you try to book, um, you know, like we would play this this club in uh, Santa Monica all the time, and you know maybe two dollars to get in. I mean, it's still it's super cheap, but there's no parking. It's traffic no matter what time of day. You know, it could be at three in the morning. There's there's bumper to bumper traffic. <laughs> so it was it, and they wanted to give you a, you know, 1230 slot on a Tuesday. So it, it just it just became so hard to get people. Yeah, people want to go out and do it. But, you know, when there's no parking lot, you know, uh, and there's no, uh, you know, there's there's no direct route to get there. And Los Angeles has terrible public transportation, you know, um, as so, uh, was like, wasn't there a conspiracy to to uh, stop a decent subway line by the the automobile industry? Back is that in what it, I, yeah. I don't know? I rode the subway in L.A. one time in ten years. <laughs> like, oh boy! But but that's also probably you know I haven't ridden. I've been in Atlanta for you know, yeah yeah almost five years, and I haven't ridden the uh, they have the uh, the the MARTA here, and I haven't done that. You know, traffic's bad in Atlanta too, but at least at least there's there's a lot of parking for like. The venues and stuff like that, and it's it's not, not it's not, not quite as bad. Not quite as bad. Um, what was I going to ask? So, what happened in the record industry happened, obviously, and then there was also, you know, just from what I've observed and heard or whatever, there was definitely a shift in the sense that the barrier to entry became so much lower mm -hmm. with home recording technology and the internet and um when did you if you saw that sort of shift when did you really observe that it was like oh everybody's calling themselves a band now or like 
you know, the pool just got yeah. that much bigger or whatever. Was there a specific time you remember seeing that kind of unfold? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I released my first solo album in uh, 2015. And I think since then I've seen a lot of what you're talking about. Um, sort of, uh, and, and I'm as much of a culprit, you know, like, uh, you know, I've, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm, you know, I'm a band I'm a solo artist, but I'm a, I'm a musician that the perception might be a little different than the reality. I mean, I have a lot, I get a lot of streams. I get a lot of, you know, listeners. I get, you know, all the numbers are really good for me. Um, and yet I'm just a guy in a basement right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've put, I've put in, I've put in my dues, you know, but currently. It's going to take a while know, for people's image of a musician to kind of catch up with what's yeah. happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean. I mean, there's still guys that are making great music, going on tour, playing, you know, and, and like the sort of grassroots tour yeah. still, you know, but I, I, man, there's, there's so much great music by people who are just, you know, and I can't speak for you. I mean, I've listened to your music. I, I, I you know, from when I listened to uh, my buddy, John Clark, the other week, I was like, well, let me check out this Niagara Moon. And I was like, oh man, this is, this is fun. This is kind of similar to what I was doing with that band in LA that I really, oh, that the I really ben enjoyed, Fultz. you know? Yeah, well, just just sort of that. It, it's it's like pop music, but with uh, substance to it. If that's you know, maybe, pop rock, maybe but, experimentation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and it's like you listen to that, and you're like, you're like, well, this guy must be on the road, you know, all the time, playing all over the place, because he's, you know, because this music is so is such quality. Is it? But that's not the reality anymore. It's. it's I do definitely have the sense I'm like creating this illusion as i go through yeah. like the the recording process yeah but uh, right exactly i mean you know i i'm working right now i'm making t-shirts for me like why <laughs> <laughs> you know like so people can buy a t-shirt with my name on it but that's part of that perception right yeah of, of well, they're buying into uh i mean i don't know if you want to say buying into an image but buying into mm -hmm. uh, a particular vibe it's uh, right Right, people could call it a tribe. Yeah, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. It's yeah, I mean we're making about. we're making music that people enjoy. Um, Connect to. It's just you know we're not dropping a hundred grand on an album. You know we're not you know we're not working in a you know giant studio in in L.A. or New York or Nashville or something. You know we can get a really yeah. quality product in our and in our I basement. think and I feel and I and I feel sort of bad for those guys that work in those studios and if i had the money i would not record a single thing in my room because i would love to take half of the responsibility away from me and give it to yeah. the professionals that yeah. are so much better at it than me but you, you know especially if you want to work you know. at the pace you're working at and yeah well and also if you want the return i mean the return yeah. on streaming and downloads is so low that it's crazy to put the initial investment money, yeah can't yeah be all too. that money into it yeah absolutely i may i feel like with all the equipment i've bought over the years it's not that much i'm i've probably just barely gotten to the point where i've you know like sort of hit even <laughs> on on my investment well, that's after. an that's an accomplishment in and of itself well though. i guess yeah yeah <laughs> it means no new equipment for a while um so when did you kind of so it sounds like there's a point where you're I mean, you do lessons as well, but you're like, okay, streaming is the thing, and that's yeah, going to be what you're all about. So how, how did that... Well, I mean, I, I put out my first solo album you know, in 2015. Uh, it was songs that I'd written over a couple years, and mm -hmm. I, I really thought it was great. I will be honest, I don't really advertise it that much because it was my first time recording at home, too. Oh, uh, so a lot of trial and error involved. Yeah, and stuff that just now that I listen to it, it already feels dated. Um, but it's still a great, it's, I think it's still a great record. Um, uh, so I put that out and nothing, you know, I mean, like some of my family probably bought it. I actually printed up CDs. I ended up just giving them away at shows and stuff like that. Um, nothing really happened with it. And then, uh, wow, I can't remember the order I did this. I think then I released another album a couple, about a year and a half later. Then I released a cover 
um, I released a cover of 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I a, think I heard that. Yeah, an that's, instrumental. That's always a great one. Uh, yeah, great tune. But the instrumental is very pop sounding, all that kind of stuff. And it blew up. Like right now, it's at half a million streams, you know. Um, so I went from like having zero streams, like nothing. And I'm talking Spotify here, but yeah. I went from having zero to now half a million streams on a song. And that was a few years ago. Um, it, so that sort of was the catalyst that went, oh, wow, I can make money. Not a lot, but I can at least make like a couple you know, thousand. Yeah, maybe, well, you know, maybe I can make, maybe I can pay my, you know, some bills, you know, some credit card debt with this money or something, you know, like. Make it a side hustle. um, Exactly. So I I thought, well, how am I going to, how, how can I replicate this success with my own music? And it was, you know, it was through, I I met a lot of cool people um, through Facebook groups and little like, you know, uh, playlisting groups. And I met some like-minded musicians uh, like John Clark, who was on, yeah. um, and some other guys, and I started doing collaborations. I started pitching to playlists with my original stuff. I started recording music that I thought that I everything that I've ever put out, I'm, I'm I stand behind and I'm proud of. But there are songs that um, my most popular song is a song called Nightlight. It's a solo fingerstyle acoustic guitar piece. I wrote it in a day mm. and recorded it the next day. That was it. And always, I, and I, those always tend to be the ones that get the most attention. Is like, right, right. That thing that I just kind of threw yeah, out there. Yeah. Right, but it's very, it's very minimalist. It is, it's very melodically uh, and harmonically sparse. Like there's, there's, it's not like my other pieces. And so you put it up against some of my other pieces, you go, is this the same guy? Um, and I think I was afraid to put music out like that before. I was afraid to just have this sort of sparse, non quote unquote virtuosic. Yeah, you know, sort of composition, and I put it out, and it hit, and it hit a bunch of playlists, and it, it got a ton of streams, and it started doing really well. And I thought, well, okay, so now I'm just going to put out what I want to put out. I'm just put out any song that I want to put out. Uh, in February, I put out a solo banjo piece. I mean, you know, I never would have done that. Uh, I put out on my second record, I put a solo piano piece, like a just a, a fully composed solo piano piece. Um, you know, things like that, I just never thought that I would do before. So, so when I realized that under my brand, I can just put whatever music I want out there and there's an audience for everything, man, that really yeah. changed the game for me. It's, it's great in that it really forces you to be more creative and more productive, like almost like more is more. Yeah, just, well, and it... And, and it just forces you to not uh, to not spend all your time um, kind of critiquing everything yeah, down. Not filter and, and, yourself as much. Right. Just just let it all come out. Honestly, I wish I could do that with lyrics. You know, that's my biggest problem with lyrics is the filtering. Right. You know, you write one line and you go, "Wow, that's just terrible." Scratch it out. Right. Versus now I'm writing, you know, these compositions and I write a line and I go, that, I mean, that feels like the most generic thing ever. Well, what can I do around it to mm. make it more interesting? Or maybe I should just leave it the most generic thing ever, you know? Y- 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 you never know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm set up for releases through September and there's a couple of really funky, weird, full band things. And then there's a couple like just acoustic-y things. And, and I mean, the, the... The variety that I have over the next four or five months, you know, already set to release, is uh, pretty pretty awesome, I think. And and again, it allows me to have about twelve different, you know, audiences at a time. Um, yeah, and that again. allows me to have the streaming numbers that I have. Yeah, versatility. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really seems to be a a hallmark. Um, so yeah, that kind of leads me to. So this, uh, the end of this year and beyond, what are your uh, particular, I always have trouble saying that word, particular uh, goals yeah. as a, um, yeah, just a performing and recording musician? What are your, what's on the horizon? Yeah, you? so, I mean, so 2019, I set the goal of a, of a new release every month, um, which a lot of guys do that. When you say that, do you mean just that? like a song every month? At least. Okay. Um, 
I are, I have done several EPs already, and I have several coming out. Um, but but at least one song a month, and I think I think a lot of people are doing that. So it's not that's not like anything like new. But the problem yeah. was when I started 2019, I had zero songs written. So that was the reason I did this goal. You know, and I put it all over social media so that I had like people keeping me yeah, accountable, holding you, you accountable. Know, for this. Yeah, yeah, um, and said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And so uh, I am. I mean, that I'm kind of like almost. You know, it keeps it keeps me in this composition mode always. Keeps me in this re- recording mode always. So that's all I'm really focused on this year. Um, next year, I again next next year by the end of next year, I'll have now 50 to 60 songs online you know that you can stream on any platform or buy or whatever um i'm hoping that that'll give me some cushion to do some other stuff you know i'll have all those songs they can sit on spotify and pandora and all that and they can you know the money can come in the the little that it is but the money can come in i can keep playlist pitching other songs and stuff like that but then i can focus on um like like i I, like i want to i want to do like uh, stuff with um, videos, you know. Mm. I wanted, I want to have more of a like live playing presence online. You know, I think the live videos on Facebook are super important. Um, I mean, I get more in. Inter- I'll turn, I'll turn on my um, live Facebook when I'm recording a guitar part and just let it roll while I'm recording. I get more interaction on that than I do when I post just about anything else. Mm. Um, so. Because Facebook wants you to do the live video, that you know they they want to promote you, so they they the algorithm sends it out. Um, the so I want to do more. Performing. Yeah, so I want to do more of that. I want to do more like maybe just like produced music videos, um, and then then probably start to really get serious about putting a putting a band together next year and and playing these songs. I've got this you know giant catalog of songs. I've got you know by the end of this year I'll have you know five, six, seven hours of music online. So know. if someone needs live music for four or five hours at a time, there you go. you'd be yeah. good at it. Right, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> well, man, it's really been uh, a treat talking to you today. I'm glad we could do this. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. This is cool. All right, it's it's me again. I'm by myself. I uh, I'm very glad I could have that conversation with Mark. Always a pleasure to get to talk with a working musician who's just really uh, down-to-earth and generous with their time and um, just an interesting guy all around. And uh, I guess to take us out this week, I will play a uh, full piece of his. This is um, off of a a collaborative EP he did called The East Coast Collective, Volume 1. The second volume will be coming out later this summer. Uh, this particular song is called Bird to Pay. So enjoy that, and I will see you next week. Mm-hmm.